Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined, as always, by producers G. Hey Wiley and our Money Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Thursday? You know, I, I think I'm starting to get on the same track as you and Armand as far as being positive and uh, being happy a majority of the time and not being such a downer because the Clippers won last night. Back-to-back wins couldn't be happier. Yeah, that Clipper team, they're starting to build that identity yet again. Those comebacks (laughs) are just happening one after another. We've seen this movie before with this Clipper team. No doubt about it. Another comeback win for these comeback Clippers 14 points down on Wednesday, and I was thinking, you know, in terms of if you wanted to place a bet last night, I mean, what I was telling some of my friends was, I don't know how they get on a plane literally that night, arrive in Orlando that morning and have to play a game again. That's part of being on the road, but that's a heck of a thing to do, you know, moments after the second biggest comeback in league history, coming back from 35 points down, winning on the first ever you know, four point play to win the game in the final five seconds. Now they got to hop on a plane from Washington to Orlando play that night. I mean, this would have been a game where, listen, if they're down by 14 points, you know, pack it in. I mean, it's the second night of a back-to-back for them to come back the way that they did. um, Again, they used a 20 to nine run to open the final period and uh, cruised on uh, to their uh, third victory in four games, back-to-back wins. They are now 25-25 and on the season. But Buckets, you just touched on it. Um, They are developing an identity for a team that, listen, I I don't think they want to be down by 14 or 24 or 25 or 35, but they know that the game is not done at that point. And and that that kind of builds a sort of toughness that will really help this team, uh, you know, depending on where they are. I mean, they are good enough, clearly, they will be in that play-in tournament. I think the only question now is who's on this team. And when I say that, I'm clearly talking about Paul George and Kawhi. I don't think they make any crazy moves before the trade deadline. I think at 25 and 25 and the way that this core group has come together, um, hard to develop that kind of cohesiveness. And Buckers, we've talked about this, right? Like, you know, the body language of a team, that matters. You know, what happens when you're down by 35? What happens when you're down by 24? What happens on the second night of a back-to-back if you're down by 14? To have that confidence in the guy next to you that you're going to come back and win, uh, that's why I wouldn't touch this team. Yeah, exactly. And the the, the one that you mentioned is that 24-point, come back because you could look at these last two and say that they only do this against subpar teams, but they started this. So their last three wins, they were down by last night by 14 against the wizards by 35. And then that Sixers game, they were down by 24. So that, and that Sixers team is very, very good. So you look at these Clippers and it doesn't matter what the other team is doing or what they're about, they are going to compete the same way. And this has been, again, their calling card pretty much since Ty Lue has been here. Now, 
My question is, how much more do the Clippers have to do for Ty Lue to get involved in the coach of the year race? Now, I don't think he's in it yet, but let's say Kawhi Leonard and Paul George don't come back, and let's say the Clippers finish this season above 500. That is a heck of a coaching job by Ty Lue. And if he can do that, if they can get there, there's a lot of other good candidates this season, but you have to consider him for coach of the year for the job he's done with this unit. There's no doubt about that. And G, when you look at this team, they are a team that I really think speaks to the fan base of this team. Blue collar, hardworking, a, lo- a lot of no name uh, players right now. Uh, no Kawhi, no Paul George, no problem. I mean, I mean, it, 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 while the majority of Los Angeles is focused on, you know, what's happening with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo and that, you know, the Clippers, I mean, what what they're doing, if the Lakers were doing that, I mean, this would be headline news, but it's, it's the Clippers. And, and despite the fact that even when they come back from 35 down, again, second the second biggest comeback in league history, it's kind of like an afterthought. Uh, Ty Lue should be in the conversation. What he's done with this team, again, Kawhi has missed the entire season so far, and he may miss the entire season. Paul George has missed the majority of the season. Uh, there's been a ton of guys who've played some not. I mean, like, what he's had to do in terms of putting this team together, I mean, the fact that they're a 500 team right now, the fact that they're in the conversation for not even being in the play-in tournament, I mean, if they continue on this run, maybe they're, you know, a six seed or something like that. You know, GA, I mean, I think this team is a team that a little bit like the Lou Williams, Montrez, Harold, Pat Bev team, I mean, Clipper fans love this team. I mean, this is a team that they can say, listen, those are my guys. No, definitely. I mean, you hit it on the, you know, uh, you hit it on the head, Arash, as far as them just being blue collar, that you know, nose to the grindstone. Uh, they hustle, right? Yeah. I mean, seeing them actually dive for the ball, I think in the first half, you don't really see that in NBA play as much as you used to back in the day. Um, and at least in my opinion, um, so I just I, I I like the the grittiness, I guess, of uh, of the Clippers and their willingness to come back. They're a team. Man, like the, you can see it on and off the court. You can see that these guys love each other and that they want to be there for each other and that they're trying and they're hustling so hard for one another. So, uh, the, the, it kind of has like that college feel to it, which I love. Um, obviously, like I love college basketball. It's like one, it is my favorite sport of all time. So I, I, I like where their, their energy is headed towards and I like where Ty Lu is headed towards, um, giving them towards, uh, this mentality. Uh, we got to stick together, guys. We got to be a family uh, kind of grittiness. So we'll see how far this this takes them. Uh, you still got to have that star power, unfortunately, in the NBA, though, because this is yeah. still the NBA. Um, so, we'll, again, we'll see how far that 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 he can take them. You know, so, so the, the thing is, this team, the cool thing about it is they know the roles. I mean, the beautiful thing when you look at that win against the or- Orlando Magic on the second night of a back-to-back, and listen, the Orlando Magic is not a good team. They are 9-40. and 40. The thing is that this is the second night of, of a crazy back-to-back for them. When I say that this is a deep team and the guys know their roles, the Lakers on Wednesday – sorry, the, the Clippers win on Wednesday – this is the stat that I point to, 49-27 advantage in the b- bench points. The guys coming off the bench, and again, they're hurt. Again, you know, no Kawhi, no Paul George, but the guys on the bench know the roles. And uh, 
Bledsoe had this great quote post game. He's like, we got a good mixture of guys. We got a, some good vets who have been in the league for a while and young players who are hungry to show the world what they can do. Mix those two, and it's a great group of players. And, and again, those are the type of quotes. Those are the type of things that you're hearing from a group of guys who know the roles and like playing together. And I don't want to use the Clippers to kind of shine a light on the Lakers, but that's what you don't have on that team. You don't have that good mixture of young and old. You don't have guys who know their roles. You don't have this guys. I mean, the opposite is true with the Lakers. If they're if they have a 14 point lead, they're the team that I'm worried is going to blow that. They're a team, if they're even up by 35, I know it's going to be a one-possession game late. The Clippers, on the flip side, are a team that now are clearly uh, – in, in Puckets, you had a quote or a, a stat. I mean, they're a team that now, if they're down by 20-some points, I'm not flipping the channel because they can come back and win. Yeah, that stat that you are referring to is that in this calendar year of 2022, the Clippers have now – one uh, they've won seven games in this year of 2022 and five of those seven have been double digit comebacks so this is again their identity when you talked about roles the one that i'm most curious about if we do see paul george and Kawhi healthy i want to know what the clippers plan is with amir coffee because he's playing like he should stay in the starting lineup when everybody's healthy i'm very fascinated to see their plan for his development because when you look at a starting lineup potentially of reggie jackson paul george Kawhi leonard amir coffee and zubats and then off the bench you have guys by the way luke Kennard is leading the nba in three-point percentage at almost 44 percent so you have a guy that's shooting at least like a six man of the year candidate off your bench that's not to mention guys like Morris, Bledsoe. This team would be, they're already loaded. If they get those two superstars back, this the sky is the limit with this team. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it, the sky is the limit with this team, Armand. But what um, I think what both of you also said, and I think everybody knows, everybody on that team knows their role. So they know that if Paul George does come back, if Kawhi does come back, they know what role they have to fill and that they have to go you know, maybe they're going to have to go to the bench or play off the bench. Maybe they're going to, maybe they will have the ability to start um, with Amir coffee, but all those guys know their role. And that's something that no offense to Laker fans, they're missing on that, on that front. You know, you got, you, you got a little bit of confusion there versus I think the Clippers will be fine. Um, and will be even better because those guys know their role. And that's, that's the majority of the battle right there. Right now they're, they're fighting, they're, they're figuring it out without those guys. But I know that once they come back, they're all going to step back into play and do what they, what they did when, you know, Kawhi and uh, Paul George were back on that floor with them. Yeah, and, and by the way, this is why I would not touch this team because you cannot gain those kind of m- moments together. I mean, that binds a team together. You know, when you come back from thir- 35 points down, 24 points down, 25 points down, like that binds a team together. That builds a trust that you don't have. And that's why what the Lakers did to that team that won the championship will never make sense to me. They won a championship in tw- 2020. And I said, no team is closer than that group. They were in the bubble in Orlando for 100 days. 
when you talk about the the year that that team had, which began in China with some controversy, the tragic passing of Kobe, the pandemic, going to Orlando for 100 days. I mean, that team was especially tight. And I don't know whether it was Rob Polinka or LeBron or Rich Paul or whatever or a combination. You know, to take a sledgehammer to that tight-knit group where all the guys knew their roles, where they had those moments together, where they won a championship together – that will never make any sense to me. And I'm not saying if they would have kept that team together, they would be in a position to win a championship this year. I can assure you, though, that they would not be 24 and 24 in fighting for a, a play in tournament slot. That I can assure you of. Um, but speaking of championships, guys, this is the NFC Championship weekend. We are uh, only a few days away. It is Thursday, tomorrow's Friday, Saturday, and then we got. The NFC Championship game Sunday at SoFi Stadium. I've told a lot of people around the country who wanted to ask about, you know, what is the feeling of the Rams in Los Angeles? And I keep telling people, I think people are excited about the Rams. You do have to realize that six years ago that they were not here. Six years ago, they were the St. Louis Rams. And so you do not have a generation of fans here who grew up Los Angeles Rams fans. Now, they could be St. Louis Rams fans who uh, you know, you know, followed the team to Los Angeles. But I really don't want to hear the fact that, oh, the, the Rams have history in Los Angeles. No, no, no. You know, when you leave a city, that history is there, but it's gone. And when you leave the way that they left, um, you, you don't have a lot of holdover. And so they've really had to start from scratch in Los Angeles. They are building that goodwill, though. You know, if they win on Sunday, this will be their second trip to the Super Bowl in three years. And so this is what they have to do because you have to win in Los Angeles. And when you talk about how quickly can they become a beloved team in Los Angeles, they are getting there. They do have to win, though. I think when you look at why the Lakers are popular and successful in Los Angeles and the Dodgers and USC football and UCLA basketball, those teams got to the position that they are right now in the city because of their success. And I'm not saying it's a what have you done for me lately town, but quite frankly, Los Angeles is. There's a lot to do here. Uh, you only have to look at the Kings, the um, hockey team. Uh, you know, they won two Stanley Cups, and during that time, they sold out Staples Center, packed streets for the parade. But quite frankly, now they're not at the top of the league, and they are not selling out the arena. So it is a what have you done for me lately, town. But for you to kind of build that trust in Los Angeles, I really do think these next two games, if they win Sunday and certainly the Super Bowl, are the most important games in the franchise's history, not just on the field, but when you talk about their ability to be successful in Los Angeles, how do you guys view this? I mean, I, I really think that for the Rams to be Los Angeles' team, you can't lose to San Francisco three straight times this season and seven times overall. That They have to win on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, not only do they have to win on Sunday, but to your point, Arash, the Rams left. The Lakers never left. The yeah. You know the the Dodgers never left um, SC and and UCLA. That's a different that's a different story. But these two franchises, which are they own LA, they never left, and they're never. I don't. Heaven forbid, they never will leave. You know what I mean. So I think that loyalty is a huge factor. I know for me personally, like you and I both grew up in in Los Angeles, and 
I would never root for a team that left and came back. So it's just, it's really, really hard to, to root for the Rams just automatically. Um, but winning does cure a lot. <laughs> so I, I think you always forget maybe they're like, the, the Rams are like a girlfriend that just bounced on you and we're like, okay, whatever. But then she got a makeover and came back and now yeah. she's trying to like win you, win you back over. So, you know, yeah. again, winning cures a lot. So um, if that's the makeover that the Rams are going to uh, to give Los Angeles, I think that that will definitely help and their fan base will grow. Um, but loyalty is huge for me as well. So we'll see how they how well they do. You cannot lose, though, a, a seventh time to the Niners. And I, I hope that they're pumped. I hope that that defense is pumped. I hope that that offense, you know, goes off with Cooper Cup. Uh, I just I hope that they do it. Uh, and I know that they will the, uh, do an exceptional yeah. job because McVay's got to be mad being yeah. <laughs> always losing to the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, I would be if I was a coach. I'd be like, this this has got to stop six times in a row, guys. I mean, come on, you know you in that they they're probably all livid in that locker room and just ready to ready to play. So can't wait for a championship Sunday. So, Puckett, you are of the like age of the lost generation in Los Angeles. Again, when they left, they were gone for 21 years. That is a generation of fans who grew up rooting for the Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, Cowboys, Niners, whatnot. I, I guess the question would be, you know, if you grew up in Los Angeles and if you didn't have a team here, again, you were a fan of the local teams, but there was no local pro f- uh, football team, so you had to pick a side. What would the Rams have to do to win your support? Is it as simplistic as you win a championship and I support you? Have the past five years helped towards, listen, like they've had a winning season the past five years. They've gone to the playoffs. If they win on Sunday, they'll be going to their second Super Bowl. I mean, what do they have to win? What do they have to do to win over the fans who do not remember when the Rams used to be here? Well, I think that the biggest thing is the consistency of winning. When when you have a consistently good winning program, fans are going to develop and they're going to come and watch your team play. Now, getting close but not winning the whole thing, that is also a recipe for people kind of <laughs> labeling you as, well, you're not good enough and you're yeah. you're a fraud, you're not a real contender. So this weekend's game in my opinion, is, yeah, their biggest game since they've moved to Los Angeles because of the fact that you're staring at a home Super Bowl dead in the face. And if you can get there, every single time the Rams win, it seems like I see like 20, 20 more Rams uh, shirts and hats around around town. Yeah. This this team is galvanizing a fan base. Now they just have to rein it in. They have to have that one final step for the Dodgers. It seemed like it was always, they're so close to winning the world series, but they can't actually do it. And it's different because they already had that fan base established, but then when they did it, it was like the whole city was really galvanized around that Dodger team. And the Rams have that same potential if they can win this game against San Francisco. Gee, real quick. I mean, have you noticed over the past five years where they've, had success the Rams have had? I mean, have you noticed that at the bar, at the restaurant, around town, that people are are more and more Rams gear? Or, hey, can you flip the TV to the game? Do you know what? In the past two years, yes. In the past, like, maybe three three or four years ago, maybe. Not really. Uh, the past year, 
I, yeah. I think people have have tried to turn the corner and root for their home team, root for a Los Angeles team, but there are still a lot of you know fly by night fans out there. I I, sure. I think Armand, Armand's right. Like you know, what winning is again, like I said before, and what winning the big one is definitely going to help. No doubt about that. Uh, real quick uh, news for you. Also, uh, the Denver Broncos are hiring Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach, and this is significant because. There could be a new quarterback with the Denver Broncos. Aaron Rodgers could be joining him. He uh, may be leaving uh, the Packers, but the focus here in Los Angeles is on the championship game at SoFi Stadium, the Rams and the 49ers. And um, when we come back, we are going to hear from um, some of the participants in that game. There was a press conference yesterday. Um, We're going to hear from Sean McVay. From Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Vaughn Miller. Again, an exciting time in Los Angeles. The NFC Championship game Sunday. Hopefully the Rams win two weeks from now. They'll be playing in the Super Bowl. So we'll hear from some of the Rams when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5, the fan in Las Vegas. Again, the NFC Championship game is this Sunday at SoFi Stadium, Rams and 49ers. Third time, by the way, a Los Angeles team has played the San Francisco team in the postseason. The Lakers beat the Warriors in the play-in tournament. The Dodgers beat the Giants in the in the National League Division Series. And now we have Rams 49ers for the right to go to the Super Bowl, which will be at SoFi Stadium. So now let's hear from some of the Rams participants in that game. Let's hear from Rams head coach Sean McVay, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford, Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup, and the newest member of the Rams, Rams linebacker Vaughn Miller. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Good. This, this game features two of the most interesting, exciting wide receivers in the NFL right now. And we know the ways that Cooper and Debo are different as players. But as a guy who has a great respect and appreciation for high-level offensive play, what are what are some things that stick out to you that are similar in the way Cooper and Debo play football? And then what makes yeah, them special? I, I, think, I think they're great football players that are complete receivers. You know, they're obviously both really dynamic with the ball in their hands. Um, some of the things that Debo does when he's lined up as a running back is, is really special stuff. I mean, this guy's just... He's a great football player that when the ball's in his hands, good things happen. He can separate. He can line up anywhere on the formation. Cooper's very similar. We're just not giving him carries from the dot and from the offset gun. But he's, uh, you know, part of our blocking surfaces. He does so many different things. I think you're talking about, you know, two well-deserved first-team All-Pro players, two guys that have uh, been instrumental in getting their teams to where they're at. And I got tremendous respect for Debo, and I'm so appreciative to be able to work with a player like Cooper Cup. Jordan? Sean, just wondering if uh, we can get an injury update from you. Yeah, so, um, you know, we were kind of just, uh, you know, kind of a mental walkthrough today, but no boom did not participate with his peck that I mentioned to you guys the other day. Great gains with his toe. Um, he should be okay, though. It's just kind of, uh, you know, just being smart with him. And then Van Jefferson, um, you know, being smart with, with his knee, but he should be okay. And then Buddy Hal, Taylor Rapp, and Andrew Whitworth were limited. Would you expect uh, Andrew Whitworth to stay on track for Sunday? 
I would, yes. And Taylor Rapp, would you expect him to practice fully, thus being able to clear that final step in the protocol? Yeah, I think we're uh, with that type of situation, Jordan, we're just taking that a, a day at a time right now. Okay, thanks, Sean. You're welcome. Dennis. Coach McVeigh, uh, implementing the uh, Mamba periods, have that been really effective as far as helping uh, your ball club overall? How'd you know we did that? <laughs> huh? It's a guess. <laughs> That's, you know what? Um, it actually started, um, you know, when, when he passed and there's so many players and coaches that, that just admired the way that he carried himself and what he was as a competitor. And actually, you know, I kind of talked about it with, with Staley when he was here and think just uh, implementing those competitive periods where things get ramped up a little bit, you know, where you just pick and choose your spots. You know, once you get later on in the year, um, you can't go full speed all the time, but when you do get a chance to kind of sharpen one another, uh, we felt like that was a good opportunity. And, and, you know, we do those Mamba periods throughout the course of training camp and earlier on, and then we have one, one a week, and it's a good way to kind of just ramp up the competitiveness and, and heightened sense of urgency and awareness that we're looking for on Thursdays, which usually ends up being our heaviest work day of the week. Thank you, Coach. You're welcome. Claudia. Sean, uh, we saw in the game the Niners play against the Packers just how important special teams are, especially in the playoffs. Has there been an increase in special teams preparations? Yeah, I think um, I think you guys have seen it with us. I think our special teams units have played really well each of the last handful of weeks, and I think they've been instrumental in a lot of the good outcomes that we've had. Brandon Powell's uh, big return ends up setting us up to go up 27-3 in that game the other day. Matt Gay ends up responding and knocking the game winner in. I thought our kickoff coverage, um, you know, was outstanding. Um, and then that punt return unit uh, has done a nice job when we've gotten our opportunities. Um, and I also love the way that, you know, both Ben Skoranek and, and Grant Haley did a great job as gunners on our punt operation. And so um, that was instrumental in Green Bay's win the other day where you saw, you know, they end up getting the block punt for a touchdown. A lot of other plays, but, uh, you know, Richard Hightower does a tremendous job. Known him for a long time, um, and it's going to be two good, uh, two good units going at it uh, with Joe D and Stukes leading the way for us. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Here. Hey, Sean. With the um, – knowing Kyle Shanahan so well and with the success that the 49ers have been able to have against you, um, is, is Kyle in your head at all? you know, in terms of trying to get past these guys? No, um, what I what I do have is respect for these guys. They've done a great job. You know, you look at it, um, you got to play well in that three and a half hour window that we're allotted. Um, you look at the last time that we played them, didn't finish the game, but but this is a really good football team. We have a lot of respect for them, but, um, you know, we're competing and, and preparing to the best of our ability to go out and, and see if we can advance. But this is a really good team. Kyle's an excellent coach. They got great players, great coaches, good schemes. And so, so why they're in the NFC championship. Hey, Matthew, just with this being your first ever uh, championship week, can you guys kind of take us through what you're feeling mentally, if you kind of feel uh, any extra amped up or, or whatnot, and how you look at this matchup with a third matchup with the 49ers? I'm obviously excited about the opportunity, um, but, uh, you know, going about it kind of as a normal week. It's first normal week we've had in a little bit. You know, obviously playing the first playoff game on a Monday, the second one on a short week, so – um, this one just feels like a normal week during the season. Obviously, a lot at stake. We know that. Um, playing a really good opponent that's playing, you know, as good a football as anybody in the NFL right now. So uh, it'll be a big challenge for us, but we're excited about the opportunity. Hey, Matthew. Uh, the last time you played the Niners, they took advantage of your mistakes. Uh, what has 
been the approach to improving both security and avoiding negative yards. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the, you know, uh, the 49ers as a defense kind of feed off of. They have a great, very disruptive rush, um, do a great job on the back end of converting when they get their hands on the football. So we got to make sure that we are, uh, you know, cognizant of that, trying to make sure that we're taking care of the football while still being aggressive and taking our chances and our shots when we get those. Um, you know, it's a, a defense that, you know, the last few weeks has been really tough to move the ball against. So, uh, you know, we'll have our work cut out for us. Hey, Matthew, um, with the possibility of Andrew Whitworth uh, returning, Sean McVay sounded really optimistic that he was going to be a go uh, this weekend. Um, do you lean on him at all? I know you've seen a lot of football over the last uh, 13 years, but in terms of sort of his experience in this in this type of moment, uh, do you lean on him at all? Um, I haven't talked to him about it, you know, uh, yet. Um, you know, I feel like uh, the, the best thing for all of us to do is just go out there and attack it like we would every single week, um, you know, with a heightened sense of urgency and a bunch of enjoyment at the same time. Like, this is an unbelievable opportunity. It's a whole lot of fun to be doing, you know, what we're doing, playing football when we're one of the last four teams left. So, um, you know, I'm sure Witt throughout the week will say what he wants to say to the guys. And, uh, you know, we'll all soak it up knowing his experience and his, uh, you know, his passion for the game. Thanks, Matthew. Gary. Matthew, um, Cooper Cup was uh, voted the Offensive Player of the Year by the Pro Football Writers. Um, and I know we've talked to you about Cooper Cup throughout the season, but um, wh what do you think has, you know, what do you think feed that ascent for him to that kind of prominence? Um, you know, I think uh, he's, you know, every year he's gotten better, um, you know, and then opportunities this year. You know, there were a lot of opportunities with the ball in the air in his area. He made those uh, great plays and obviously was great after the catch, did all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, his value to our team is not only in the passing game. You know, he's uh, a great a great weapon for us in the run game as well, whether we're handing it to him or he's blocking for our guys. Um, just does everything right. Just I think the thing that um, – you know, probably got him there is, is all the work that he puts into it. And I'm glad it's paying off for him. I know you've only been here for two games, but, uh, you know, uh, the Rams have had some difficulty with the 49ers the last few years. Is there a, any kind of a mental block that you think you guys have to get over to play at your best against them and, and beat them? No, we just got to go out there and play good football. You know, um, we had our chances last time we played them to win the game, whether it was a, you know, four minute situation for us on offense, a two minute situation on defense. And then we still had a shot in overtime as well. So, you know, it, it's a really good football team. It's two really good football teams going after each other. Um, you know, seeing each other twice this year, going to see each other for a third time. Um, not a bunch of secrets, just who can step up to the plate, and make the plays when we need to make them. Dennis. Hey, Matthew, um, you guys played in a lot of close games near the end of the season. How much did that help you as a team um, going against Tampa Bay in those last 42 seconds, pulling the game out? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of belief in our team, you know, a lot of belief in the guys in that locker room. When we step on the field, no matter what the situation is, we're going to have a chance to go out there and get the thing done. Um, obviously, you know, I thought we played better than the score uh, – you know, showed, especially in that first half. Second half, we kind of let them back in the game with some, uh, you know, untimely errors. Um, but I uh, was proud of the way we responded. Nobody flinched. We just stepped up to the plate the next time we got the opportunity to go make a play and made that play and, and then uh, we're able to win it. But, you know, that comes through experience, uh, both individually and collectively as a group and as a unit. So um, everybody just kind of drew on their experiences and, and uh, went out there and made it happen.
Hey, Cooper, um, six straight losses, uh, starting out with the easy one here, uh, six straight losses to the 49ers. What has to happen this time around for you guys to, to win? Yeah, we just got to execute better uh, at the end of the day. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, and it's not like there's uh, some crazy formula that we got to drop or anything like that. I think we just got to execute, do our jobs. Um, you know, play and play out, be able to play a complete game and, um, you know, trust that, you know, we, we, we do that. We feel confident in, um, you know, how the game's going to end up. Thank you. Maria. Cooper, kind of to piggyback on that, is there an added incentive somewhere having played these guys so many times and not beating them? Is there, there just something else that makes you feel like, you know what, we, we got to get over the hill. Uh, no, I mean, obviously, you the the what's happened before. It's obviously you, everyone knows. Um, you know, the Niners have done a great job against us. Um, you know, the last few years. Um, in this game, that you know, you learn from the past. But you have to be ready to move forward. Um, and we don't, don't. At least, you know, we don't live in a world where we got to use you know past motivations or anything like that. I mean, just you know, handle this week just like you would any other week. Um, prepare the same way you would. Go out there. Um, you know, prepare to be able to, you know, play out there with a quieted mind and um, do your job to the best of your ability. And, um, you know, like I said, we don't, we don't need to, you know, reinvent the wheel here. It's just about doing our job um, and, uh, you know, take this as, you know, uh, a new week, a new opportunity to go out there and play some good football. Thank you. Yeah. Claudia. Hey, Cooper. Matthew Stafford appears to be very locked in with every receiver and the running backs. How much better is this offense working at this point? Yeah, we're doing some good stuff. Um, you know, being able to marriage some stuff up with the run in the past, being able to, um, you know, get some uh, things going there. And, um, you know, obviously with the way that Van and Odell have been playing, the way they've been detailing up some stuff and uh, making some plays for us, Higgs in the running game, you know, in the past game, Kendall as well. And you saw Kendall this last week make some huge plays for us. So, uh, just guys across the board making the plays when the, um, it's time for them to make those plays, and uh, when when uh, you know the you know coverage dictates that they get the ball, and um, you know like I said, that's what it comes down to. I'm making the plays that are there for you, doing your job over and over again, and um, you know we just keep doing that. We'll be in a good place. Thank you. Good luck, Stu. Hey Cooper, just wanted to ask you what it meant to be named Offensive Player of the Year by the PFWA today. I know every time we ask you about these awards, you're always focused on doing your job so that the team succeeds. But when recognition like that comes along, what does it mean to you? Yeah, it's obviously an incredible honor. Um, you know, very thankful, um, you know, honored to be, be able to uh, be named to that team. And, um, you know, you guys, you know, what my, what my beliefs are on this and you know, any accolades that you receive being a team award. So I'm um, just thankful to be a part of the team that I am. Thank you. Dennis. Oh, hey, Cooper. Um, how did uh, going through those uh, Mamba periods help you as a wide receiver and as a player? Uh, the Mamba periods that we do here at practice? Yes. Yeah, um, man, I, I love them. I mean, any opportunity you get to go against, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey, against you know, Darius Williams, against the guys that we've got in the back end there. we got Weddle in here too. And, um, you know, anytime you get an opportunity to go against some really good football players and, you know, really against, you know, Jalen really think Jalen's the best DB in this league. And so being able to go up against them, um, get opportunities to compete against each other throughout the entire course of the year, um, you know, that's an invaluable opportunity. And uh, I don't take those lightly. Everyone here is competitive. We all want to win uh, no matter what it is. Um, so, you know, take that stuff serious. And um, it's, a, it's a great um, advantage for us being able to go against those guys. Thank you. Jordan. Yeah. 
Hey, Cooper, uh, last week being inclusive in this, it seems like you've had sort of a season of uh, perfect moments, so to speak, or, or moments where that have, have really meant a lot to, to getting this team to the next step. But where do those actually rank in, I think I know the answer, where do those actually rank in your mind? And, and how do you sort of compartmentalize what you've accomplished versus what you still have, have yet to do? Yeah, well, um, I kind of take the mindset that, um, you know, regardless of what happens out there on the field, I try to, you know, learn from my mistakes and, you know, fix those things and be able to um, be a better football player than I was in the week before. Um, you know, the, the good stuff that happens, the stuff you're able to do and produce, obviously there's, there's lessons in there as well. Um, but I really try to take a, a you know, a, a learning mindset going forward and, um, really focus on the stuff that I can do better versus the stuff that I did well um, so I can continue to grow and continue to be a better player for this team. And, um, you know, uh, regardless of how productive, if it's a big play, if it's really just if it's a good block, if it's, you know, in the run game, if it's in the pass game, if it's pass blocking, whatever it is, um, I kind of keep all that stuff grouped together as just, you know, positive plays and negative plays and what I can do better uh, moving forward. Hey, Vaughn, the last time you played in the conference championship game, you had a pretty disruptive performance. You finished with five total tackles, two and a half sacks, four QB hits, and you also added an interception and a pass breakup for good measure. Just wondering, what, what is it about this stage in particular that can bring out the, that kind of a performance in you or just, you know, any player in general? Uh, I mean, I, I really don't know. I wish I had the formula. I, I do it every every game that I play in, <laughs> you know, but – um. This is one thing about the playoffs and, you know, these moments, you know, there is uh, there isn't another game after this unless you win, unless you perform well. And, um, you know, for me, it, I get the most out of myself whenever I'm doing something for somebody else, um, whenever I'm playing for, you know, somebody else. If I'm playing for myself, you know, it's kind of easy to, you know, say like, you know, into my second contract, you know, I don't play 11 years in the league, went to the Pro Bowl, you know, won Super Bowl before. I mean, it's it's easy to, you know, kind of take a step back when it's just for yourself. You know, when, when you're playing for, when you're truly playing for somebody else, I think that is what really gets the most out of me. And, you know, so many teammates on my team, uh, this is really all they need. You know, um, Aaron Donald, this is this is all he needs. And he has the, <laughs> he has the whole shebang, you know. And, um, you know, Andrew Whitworth and, you know, uh, Eric Weddle and, you know, all of these guys, you know, it's just, I want to do it, you know, for them. And I feel like that is what really drives me when I'm whenever I'm on the football field. Thank you. Jordan. On that being said, um, as you are in familiar territory at this point, um, heading into a conference championship and, and also being in the postseason in general, is there some sort of muscle memory that kind of takes over in a certain way? I know that's also probably emotion based as well. Just all of the, the experiences that you've had. Yeah. I, I mean, now that I think about it, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I'm just uh, trying to be the best, you know, Vaughn I can be, you know, and I'm you know, rushing the passer. I don't, I don't have uh, really that much weight on me. You know, I got a lot of, um, star players here that really share that, that weight with me. And, you know, I just, I just want to win. I just want to do everything it takes, whatever it takes, um, any way that I can to, to win and, and, you know, see my teammates smile and see their family smile. And, you know, that's, uh, that's why I do it. There's no way to really explain it to my teammates other than to just tell them like it's sweet on the other side, you know, it's, it's really no way to, um, 
you know, explain how that offseason is after you win the Super Bowl, after you win the Super Bowl. It's really no way to explain it. It's just take it one day at a time and just do it all over again. Thanks, Vaughn. Gary. Hey, Vaughn. Um, your first game with the Rams was against the 49ers, and then uh, in the season finale, uh, you also played. But do you think the 49ers have seen the best of you yet, or is that something that, you know, they'll see on Sunday? Uh-oh, bulletin board material. This guy, you from the Bay? <laughs> No, I mean, um, I'm just trying to be the best player I could possibly be. You know, every time I step out there, they have a, they have a tough team. You know, they have a uh, very physical front, very physical team. Everybody out there from tight end, fullback, you know, quarterback, offensive line, even the receivers. You know, it's just a tough physical team. And, you know, I, I when I go out there, I just try to get my best every time I'm out there. What are your, uh, what are your impressions of Tebow uh, Samuel from your perspective? I think his name is, uh, it, it explains who he is. I think his, uh, I, you know, I, I've learned um, these two games that I played him, I, I, I have figured out why they call him Debo. You know, I, I figured out why they why they named him that and he, uh, his name is definitely fitting for him, for sure. That's what, I, that's what I've learned about Debo. All right, that was Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Von Miller, Sean McVay. Again, the NFC Championship game is Sunday at SoFi Stadium. I mean, tickets are through the roof. I mean, the get-in price right now is around $700. Parking, by the way, parking is through the roof right now because the Super Bowl preparation has already begun around SoFi Stadium. So a lot of the parking lots which are on campus around SoFi are taken. So you're seeing some of these parking passes that are even at um, Hollywood Park Casino going for upwards of $300. So it's it's, it's a ridiculous, uh, you know, ticket prices, parking uh, prices, but um, should be a fun one on Sunday. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.